We've all been there, haven't we? You finally muster up the courage to sit down at your computer and write up a pitch to your favorite brand. You have spent all the time learning what needs to be in a pitch email to set you apart and to get the brand's attention. You feel incredibly confident that this, this is going to be the pitch that gets you the gig, right? You send that big send button, you take a deep breath, and you wait, and you wait, and you wait, and you wait, and nothing. Your self-esteem is basically shattered at this point. It must be you, right? Or maybe your pitch sucked, honestly. Uh, But you worked so hard on it. What could you have even changed to make them want to respond? Or maybe you get an email inquiry in your inbox from a brand that you've dreamt of working with for such a long time now. Obviously, you spend a minute internally or externally freaking out. This is incredible. Brands are actually reaching out to you. They see your value. They want you to be the one to represent their brand. That is incredible. In the email, they introduce you to the campaign that they're recruiting for, and they ask your rates. You immediately respond. I mean, you obviously don't want to keep the brand waiting, right? I know that this is a brand that's got money. They're huge, right? You stretch your rates a little, and again, you feel that anxiety set in as you hit the send button. Time goes by after you send your rates, and you wait, and wait, and yet again, wait. Again, no response. What the heck is going on? Why are brands just ghosting you? Is this your high school boyfriend all over again? Your rates must have been way too high. They must have liked someone better than you. In reality, you know your content is as as strong as you'd like it to be. Maybe that's it. You must be the problem, right? I'm Kristen Busquet, and I've been a full-time creator for over three years and have brought in $250,000 from sponsored posts and content creation collaborations with brands so far. Social Scoop is the podcast where we teach entrepreneurial influencers to turn their online influence into a profitable, self-sustaining business. In today's episode, we're here with Justin Moore, aka the creator wizard who got his start as a sponsorship coach after years of helping his wife April with her sponsorship success about 10 years ago. His family has a combined over 1.3 million YouTube subscribers. You could say he knows a thing or two about the business. Since then, he started a successful agency as well as his own creator program where he helps influencers and content creators learn how to land sponsorships with ease. Today, we're gonna be answering the big question that all creators face. Why the heck are brands ghosting me? Did you know that there are at least nine different reasons for this? And we're giving you the scoop on them all. This, my biz BFFs, is Social Scoop. Hello, my friends, and welcome to episode 20 freaking two. This is crazy. I can't believe we're already past 20 episodes of Social Scoop. It has been amazing. Thank you for all of your support over the last few months. I absolutely love this podcast, and I hope that you do too. So today we have a little bit of Instagram and TikTok news. If you don't know yet, maybe you've been living under a rock for the last week, But Instagram just finally released that chronological feed feature to everyone. All of their users should ideally have it at this point. Obviously, that's what they say, but who really knows if everyone actually has it. If you don't have it at this point, still keep your hopes up. I'm sure it will be too soon, but they have officially rolled it out to just about everyone. So to kind of just give you a quick breakdown of this, if you're a little confused, maybe you haven't listened to the episodes of Social Scoop where we talked about this as it was first released. So today I'm going to give you the tea on basically what this whole new feed feature is because it's 
there's kind of a lot going on, honestly. So, okay. Typically, we only have that classic home feed where Instagram will essentially recommend content to you based on what you like to consume. So, for example, if there are you know, this. you look at the same 10 people's posts every day and you love reels, then your feed is going to show a lot of those people first and a lot of reels first. So essentially, they try and curate a feed for you based on what they think that you would like and who you think that you would want to see. So that is the home feed. Nothing has actually changed about that as of this moment. Now, in the top left-hand corner where it says Instagram, there's not a drop-down error as there was in the testing, but basically you can just click on Instagram, and when you click on that, it's going to give you a tiny drop-down menu there that will actually give you new feed options. So aside from the classic home feed, which is what we all have had for the last however many years, we also have a feed called following. Following is basically everyone that you follow in chronological order. So this is where the chronological feed comes in. It's funny because earlier this week when they were saying, hey, it's like coming pretty soon, like in the next couple of days, they tweeted this word search and I had posted an Instagram story about it because I was like literally baffled by it. It was a word search and it was like some some word in here is what's coming in the future, you know, for Instagram. And I was like, you guys are really so out of the loop and you don't understand how pissed off people are, are are at you that you literally would make people search through a word search to just give us the news like we do not have the time and patience for you Instagram the last thing i want to do is do a freaking word search to figure out the Instagram news okay i just thought this was so funny i was like how, are they like just really so out of touch with the reality oh they probably thought that was so cute and meanwhile we're all like fuck you this is so annoying So yeah, that is your following feed. It's going to be chronological. It's interesting. I've talked to a few people in the last week who have said that their following feed is everyone they follow, but it is not in chronological. Um, It should be. (laughs) So um, again, maybe it could just be bugs. It just came out a few days ago. So you got to give them some time to get it right, as we know with most features. So that is the following chronological feed. Now, one thing I do want to note with this is that I would expect as everyone is getting this feature if they don't already have it, that what's going to happen with people on their following slash chronological feed, they're going to be seeing a lot of accounts that they maybe forgot they even followed. You know, like how many people did you follow when you first started your Instagram account in 2016 that maybe you just don't really connect with their content anymore? Or maybe, you know, what they're talking about now isn't really relevant to you. A lot of the times what's going to happen here is you're going to see those accounts and be like, oh, you know, I remember following them, but I don't really need this anymore. And you're going to unfollow. So I think if you follow a lot of people, expect that you're going to be unfollowing a lot of people because you're going to see people you probably forgot you even followed. Now, for us as creators, obviously this can affect us because, again, there could be accounts that followed us when we first started our page, however long ago that was, that maybe again, forgot they follow us, maybe don't connect with our content anymore and are going to unfollow. So at the end of the day, this feels like a bad thing because it may cause us to lose followers. We may see that number going down. However, if there are people that have been there and literally didn't even remember that they followed you, they are just there dragging your engagement rate down into the dumps. So honestly, I wouldn't count this as a loss. If anything, it's going to strengthen your engagement rate and follower number is just less and less important as the days go on. So I honestly would not worry about this. But if you do see an influx of unfollows, this could be why. So just keep that in mind. 
lastly, we have the favorites feed. And I think I'm actually most excited about this one. So essentially what happens when you first get on the favorites feed is it it populates 10 people that thinks that you're going to want on that list of your favorite people on Instagram. Uh, So you can manually delete them if you want to delete any of them, or you can manually add as many more people as you want. So this favorites list is all the people that you manually add to that list, and it's going to sort them in terms of most recent down to the least recent. So basically, it will be chronological, but a favorites feed of people that you specifically want to see. Um, so keep that in mind. If you are, you know, like feeling like you follow a lot of people, but there are specific people that you want to see their content, add them to your favorites list and you will see that better. One thing that I have to say so far about these new feed options is that when you do find the one that you like, it's very unfortunate because you can't set a specific feed as the automatic default at this point. I'm sure that will change because I think enough people are already complaining about it, but keep that in mind. We'll see how it goes. A couple other quick things here. So Instagram is also working on the ability to reply to stories with images or with voice messages. Now, these were almost two different updates, and where the updates were in the actual app, like where you would click the button, they're in the same exact spot. So my sense is that they're either going to put them next to each other, or they're going to choose one of these or the other. You either can uh, reply to a story with an image or a voice message. Um, Honestly, I don't really feel like this is groundbreaking news, but if you're someone who likes to send voice memos, or maybe you're someone who, you know, wants to start brainstorming ways that you can bump up that stories engagement by asking people to send an image of their dog when you're having a bad day or whatever it is. Think about these things. I always like to tell you when they're working on tests like this so that you can start to brainstorm so that when it comes out, you can start using it in the best way possible. So those things are small but could potentially be really cool in the future. So this one is actually really awesome. TikTok is testing adding a watch history button into the app. So basically, it will be somewhere in the settings where you can go to watch history and actually see all the videos that you've watched recently. I literally can't tell you how helpful this will be because I can think of so many times where I have like told one of my friends about some video and I was like, oh man, like I'm never going to find it in TikTok again because obviously there's just a billion different videos. Uh, So I think this could actually be really cool if you're ever like wanting to go back to a video that maybe you forgot to save and you can have easy access to those. So I really will think I uh, might enjoy that. I don't know. I'm excited about it. Other than that, uh, just a small week of news aside from this whole new chronological feed. Let me know your thoughts on these new feed options. I did a poll on Instagram and most people said that favorites was going to be actually their favorite of the three. Um, So I'm honestly surprised because so many people have been begging for that following slash chronological feed for so long that like I thought more people would be pumped up about it. But I guess not, at least not my audience. (laughs) So we'll see how it goes. I always appreciate any feedback. If there's any of these things that you want to talk about further, send me a DM on Instagram. But without further ado, I am so excited to talk with Justin here. You guys are going to love him. The information that we went over in this episode was epic. So get your pen and papers ready if you are a creator who has been ghosted by a brand. And we all have. Don't lie. So without further ado, here is Justin Moore, aka the Creator Wizard. 
Guys, I am so excited. I'm here with the creator wizard, Justin Moore, who I was just recently connected to. And honestly, I've already learned so much from him. So I'm really excited for you guys to meet him as well. Justin, thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. Stoked to be here. Yes, I'm very excited. So you kind of have this really interesting journey that I remember you told me about um, not too long ago. So you got started as a creator with your family, and now you've kind of transitioned a little bit into educator. So tell us how this all came about and how you ended up where you are today. Sure. So uh, honestly, I would not be where I am today without my wife. Uh, My wife, April, started her first YouTube channel in 2009, if you could believe it, way back before there was even a partner program. You really could not make money (laughs) on YouTube (laughs) at that at that time. It was mostly she was just stoked to be getting free products. Her her first channel was uh, around beauty and lifestyle and cosmetic skincare and so on. Um, And so, you know, I had told her for years, I was like, you got to like start a YouTube channel. She was watching it and like loving, you know, uh, consuming content there. But I just kept telling her, you'd be amazing at this. And so she finally caved and did it. I remember her first video we shot on our webcam. Oh my and we gosh. and it was probably like 140p or something and we <laughs> we ed- we edited it on like Wendy's Windows Movie Maker. I, I remember this vividly. And 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 yeah, it was just like it was so funny in the early days cuz no we had none of us yeah. none of us early YouTubers had any idea what we were doing, especially when it came so to crazy. monetizing, right? Oh, um, yeah. you know, the she was rejected from the partner program three times. You know, we, she was so persistent. Um, you know, and I think that that's uh really what led led us down this path is that brand started not you know, right. they started. I was in medical devices at this time, and so I was wow. not a YouTuber. I was not in front of the camera. I was still very much kind of in the background. But when brands started knocking, especially when they were like, "Hey, we're going to pay you for stuff," she was like, "Oh, what do I do?" And so I was like, <laughs> "Here I was. I was in business school as well at night, and I was like, I'm in business school. I can help with this, <laughs> right?" And so I was like looking at the contracts and like trying to interpret this. I, like I had no, again, I had no idea what I was doing. I tried to pull in our family lawyer at the time, and she was like, <laughs> "What is this?" I've never seen a contract like this before. Right. right. And so um, it, it was what it was the Wild West in the early days. And so um, over, you know, those that basically decade that we've been creators, not only have we worked with hundreds of brands doing sponsorships and, and that does, that's a very big part of our business. But I also uh, started an influencer marketing agency about six years ago. But yes, because I saw this void in the market that there was uh, a lot of brands, uh, especially traditional brands like yeah. you know CPG, consumer packaged goods, retailers, consumer electronics, who are like really keen on tapping into these, this explosion of, of the kind of the creator space, um, but really not sure how to go about it. And they were really concerned about influencers saying crazy stuff, swearing, doing Mm. something, you know, very controversial, and then it blowing back on their brand. And so I was like, I'm going to start an agency where the purpose is family friendly creators. That's the whole wedge. Um, and so that that was uh, like it was perfect timing, honestly, because there was, uh, you know, that that took off uh, really rapidly. And then I would say kind of the, this 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 most recent chapter of my life where I'm educating creators came from ha- having a perspective of, of both sides. Right. It's like being creators right. in the trenches, doing lots of deals, but then also having done probably uh 10,000 interactions plus with other creators, you know, emails yeah. and contracts and deals. And so it's just like having both perspectives gave me a very unique insight into like what it takes from a 360 perspective to actually execute a successful 
uh, influencer marketing campaign. And so I started uh, under the creator wizard uh, moniker, I started educating people, you know, contracts, yeah. sponsorship negotiations, um, all of this stuff. And, and honestly, it was to scratch my own itch. I was like, I just need to like get this out of my system. People are making so many mistakes. And it's really it took off beyond my wildest dreams. Um, and so, uh, so that's where we are today and we can, we can dive more into that. Uh, in yeah. A bit. Yeah. It's so crazy to see how much things really have changed and it's actually not been that much time, you know, but even today, I feel like you were saying it's kind of the wild, wild west before today. I feel like it's even still kind of the wild, wild west. So I can only imagine in 2009 what was happening. Like, I remember in 2009, I had a fashion blog and I was in the same situation where I was just getting like free clothes from brands and stuff. And I was like, this is so cool. I never, ever expected I would make any money off of it. But like, it's just, it has changed so, so much in the last 10 years. It's crazy. It's, I mean, it's, it's like a, Honestly, history is repeating itself with TikTok in, in my view. Like TikTok is where yeah. YouTube was back then. I mean, even now, like even it's most brands are still terrified to be on TikTok, right? They just don't understand. It's Instagram so is it's Instagram's different because it's like, oh, it's like glossy and it like feels like an ad and like, you know, they they're yeah. that's a comfortable space for them. But TikTok is like, what is happening? Green screen, <laughs> like, no, this is like some brands get it, obviously, but there's still so much tremendous opportunity uh, for creators to to help brands understand how to leverage that platform. Yeah, it's it's so true. And I think there are just still so many creators who aren't on TikTok. Again, they're even the creators I feel like are scared of it. The brands definitely they're they're not really even sure what's going on there for the most part. But even the creators are like, I don't either know how to work it or I'm scared to create video. I don't want to look crazy or look stupid or whatever, but it's evolving. And I think more and more people will realize that like, you kind of get left behind if you're not hopping on these new things. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you kind of, how does this saying go? You can't beat it. So join it. It's kind of the same <laughs> thing there. Yeah. Definitely. Um, cool. So I wanted to talk today about, um, ghosting uh, or brands, ghosting creators, because I know that this is something you created a really awesome video about, um, and we had kind of talked about it previously, but it's something that so many creators go through. And it's really unfortunate because obviously creators are spending so much time and energy on creating these beautiful pitches and then they don't get anything in return. And obviously that's kind of a slap in the face. So first things first, does a brand ghosting you mean that they hate you? You know, I feel like that's kind of where people's minds go for a lot of the time. Like, is that what that means? Yeah. And, and I think it's a it's a really great point, um, because a lot of time when you don't hear anything back, people instantly turn inward. They say, OK, well, it must have something to do with me. My pitch sucked. Yeah. I suck. My audience, they hate my they don't want to work with my audience. <laughs> it's something because in the absence of any sort of feedback, it's a natural tendency. It's like, okay, well, it's, 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 this had something to do right. with me, clearly. Um, but one of the reasons why I made that video, and why we're, I'm glad we're talking about this uh, in a longer format here today, is that uh, is to really have this be a um, a a lesson for everyone that when you pitch a brand, mo yeah. the vast majority of the time it has nothing to do with you, whether they don't respond or not. And in fact, even if they say no, yeah, that doesn't mean that they don't want to work That's with a you. Good Typically. Point. Typically, no means not yet, in my experience. Um, and so, yeah, there's there's a lot of reasons why they, they'll they'll ghost you, and we'll we'll kind of go into that. But that's the first and most important thing that everyone listening needs to hear is that eliminate this tendency to look inward when you don't hear back, 
uh, because there's a vast majority of reasons uh, as to why they're not responding to you. Yeah, it's interesting. I was just actually, uh, there was someone who left a comment on something that I had posted and they were saying it's interesting how a lot of the times when things go wrong, people look inward, but then when things go right, they kind of blame it on things outward. And it's interesting how there's not just like, you know, like the fact that we should be looking at kind of both things, you know, obviously you should be looking at your pitch and asking yourself, like, did my pitch suck? Because there definitely can be times when your pitch actually just wasn't good. Definitely, <laughs> So yes. I think it's important <laughs> to look at that stuff. But like you said, you know, it's also there's just so many different things, which is what we're going to talk about today. A lot of external factors that really could just have nothing to do with you. So the first thing that you had mentioned here is a reason why brands could be ghosting you is that you are messaging the wrong person. So tell us more about that. Yeah, so I think that um, the perspective is to like turn inward again on, and, and think about your own behavior. So when you receive an email right. or a message that was obviously meant for someone else, what do you do? <laughs> you probably delete it or you don't respond, yeah, right? Exactly. Um, and so when you DM a brand on Instagram or something, it's really important to understand that the person who handles the social media accounts for the brand is almost never the person who's responsible for recruiting influencers for paid campaigns. So um, let me split hairs a little bit here. Um, So for smaller brands, that may be the case. They may only have one marketing person or one social media community person. uh, And that really is the person who does it all, right? But as brands get larger, they typically outsource this type of marketing tactic to a separate department or maybe their advertising agency. Um, And a lot of times uh, the same thing is going to happen if you message their press email, right? A lot of times people will go, oh, I'm going to go like, you know, press increase, PR increase on their website. Um, Do you know how many emails they get there? (laughs) And like not to mention spam, (laughs) right? And so your top priority. I would not want to be the person manning that inbox. Exactly. Right. And so um, your top priority needs to be identifying the right contact at the brand so that you stop shouting into the void, basically. Right. And so um, there is a whole art and a science associated with finding the right contacts, but it starts with understanding titles. And so, for example, like we just mentioned, social media manager may be the person at a smaller brand who's doing that, but the social media manager for Wendy's <laughs> or something, a very, very large brand, not <laughs> yeah. to mention they probably have 10 agencies, um, that person has nothing to do with influencer campaigns. The only thing they do is community engagement, you know, uh, or- organizing the content strategy, the right. calendar of posting. Um, and so it's just like educating yourself as a creator about all the different roles that have to do with social media uh, is really, really critical because you it's easy to conflate everything. Oh, social media manager sounds sounds the same as digital strategist. Sounds the same as influencer marketing manager. No, they're all very distinct titles and and roles and purposes. And so, uh, it's it's that would be my first step and recommendation would be to educate yourself around what all these titles mean. Yeah, that's a really good point because I don't think anyone does that. <laughs> um, and again, like so many of the the names of these different titles or jobs can be so similar. Um, so I guess what would you say, like, just to kind of like give us a quick intro to that, what would be like top keywords in someone's title that people should look for? So like if you want a very simple uh, like 
recommendation, just influencer marketing manager. Almost yeah. every brand now yeah. has someone with that variation of that title, influencer coordinator, influencer marketing manager, uh, influencer activation, something like that, influencer creator, like search for those words uh, in Google and LinkedIn and things like that. And you'll almost always find someone that has to do with that role at a brand. It's so much easier now than it was five, six years ago because no one had that title six years ago, oh, right? Yeah. And so um, creators like who are listening, you've got it easy now because it, it's it's only a Google away. Uh, and so like, that's a very quick, <laughs> quick, uh, a very quick recommendation you can make uh, to get you started. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's perfect. Um, so second reason here that people may find that they're getting ghosted by brands is that their pitches are boring. And this is really a good one because again, like there are, like you said, so many hundreds, if not thousands of creators pitching to especially big brands every single day. Like, how are you supposed to stand out? And you have to stand out. So with this kind of idea here, what would you suggest that influencers do to kind of make it more exciting? You know, how can they make their pitches less boring? Yeah, I mean, honestly, the quickest way to get your email deleted is say, hey, I love your products. I'd love to collaborate, which is what 99% of creators do. <laughs> I'm guilty. I, do, I did that in the early days, right? But because, oh, oh yeah. you know, people think, oh, that's what brands want to hear, that you like have authentic affinity and you love their brand. No, that's what every single person says. Right. So the, the biggest mindset shift to have when it comes to your pitches should be taking the focus off of you and having it be all about the brand. Because everyone focuses on themselves. Right. Oh, you know, I have you know this many followers on social media. These are my audience demographics. I was born in St. Louis, Missouri. Like the brand doesn't care. Like honestly, <laughs> I, they they really do not care. And so uh, I'm 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 being facetious yeah. a little bit, but like you know the 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 point of it is that <laughs> how can you help them accomplish some sort of very specific business objective right. that you researched? Maybe they're posting about some campaign on their Instagram that you found, or there are some press release that they you know put on their website or something where it's just like you can get a understanding of what their strategy is for the rest of the year. And so what you're pitching them is the solution to this strategy that they've already identified and told everyone about, right? So maybe they said, oh, we're going down, right. we're doubling down on TikTok. Or, or they put out some press release about their new TikTok campaign or whatever. Clearly, they're investing into that platform, that format um, for their brand. And so your pitch should not be about Instagram. Your pitch should be about this <laughs> new tactic that they're talking about, right? And so that yeah. that is like the the sim the single most important factor when it comes to crafting your pitches is to do even an ounce of research about what is going on in the brand's world and stop trying to fit the brand in this tiny little box of how people can work with you. I think the the most important thing to remember is that you should stop trying to fit the brands in this tiny little box of how they can work with you. It's not about that. It's that it's how you can solve their problems with your pitch. Right. And I think it actually brings up a good point that a lot of creators don't think about, especially because a lot of creators kind of fall into this and don't set out and say, I'm going to start posting on Instagram and TikTok because I want to be an influencer. But they don't realize that they're service providers. You know, like you're not there to just like get some free stuff and take some cute pictures like you're actually there to provide a real you know monetary service that you know you're really getting paid for it it's actually making an impact for the brand it's not just taking cute pictures so you have to think about it that way you know it's a 50/50 partnership where the brand is expecting you to create something that's going to convert you know 
I say all the time, creators are production companies in a box. You're yeah. creative services. You are the production team. You're the talent. You edit the dang piece of content. You distribute it. You have a distribution <laughs> channel. When brands have to go out there uh, to create an asset that they can run an ad with on Instagram or YouTube or whatever. They have to hire a production company, actors and actresses, somewhat, you know, an entire shoot crew, right? Then they have to pay Facebook and Instagram to run the dang ad, right? <laughs> so like, I don't think that a lot of creators really realize the value proposition that they're bringing to the table when brands approach them. A hundred percent. And that just, this is a whole new conversation that we could have, but think of the value that you're adding to the brand. You should be charging accordingly. How much money would a brand be, you know, paying to do all of those things that you just listed? Like way more than you're probably charging. So think about it that way. <laughs> $250,000 for a small shoot. Seriously. It's crazy. For an ad, ad that they would run on TV. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Um, also, one other thing I wanted to ask you here, because I feel like a lot of people ask me this question. And I actually have like a few different recommendations, but what would you recommend for making like an attention grabbing subject line for a pitch? Or does it really not matter? Oh, it matters. No, I have tried... Uh, lots and lots of uh, different subject lines. I actually have a downloadable in my course called Proven Subject Lines. Um, and Love that. Uh, here's a couple like small examples. It, again, it goes back to the mm -hmm. research thing, right? So for example, if you knew that they were uh, you know, running a particular campaign last year, right? Let's say around the summertime or something, you can actually use Instagram as a research tool and go back to their Instagram and say, hey, what campaigns were they running last year? And so your... Subject line uh, could be, for example, uh, the brand's name, the campaign hashtag that they were running last year, and then on TikTok, question mark. Ooh, right. So it's like targets, that. targets, hashtag summer ready on TikTok or something. Right. Okay, like okay. you think they're you think they're going to click that? They're going to click that. Right. Because it's going to be like, <laughs> oh, that, that, that was a campaign we were running last year. Like, OK, this what is this person pitching? What is this about? Is this a, a journalist? Like, what, what is this? Right. Or. Something easy like improve brands paid ads with influencers, question mark. Or, yeah. you know, brand name lunch and learn with 100K influencer, question mark. Very maybe you cool. could pitch that. Maybe you're going to pitch that you'll do a Zoom call with their marketing team and you can share your experiences of succeeding on TikTok or Instagram or YouTube or whatever, right? So there's an unlimited amount of things that you can pitch that right. are creative. Um, and it's, and, you know, collab is not what you should be using. <laughs> <laughs> collab question mark? <laughs> what? That's mm -hmm. not good? Come on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, with those subject lines that you just gave us examples too, I think it's cool because first of all, it shows, especially if you're using like a previous campaign hashtag, it shows that you did your research, which again, mm -hmm. I think already sets you apart right there because yep. again, most creators don't. Um, but also like it shows that you're willing to do more than just like, you know, get free stuff or, or get some money from them. Like by you saying like, you know, Hey, let's get on a call with your marketing team and we can learn from each other. Like that is so much more than most influencers would be offering. And yep. again, I think that's a huge way to set yourself apart. And at this point you really have to set yourself apart because there's just a lot of us. There's a lot of competition. You can set yourself apart, but you know, it's, it's not super easy to do. So you got to get creative with it. I think those are great suggest suggestions. So you also mentioned here that another reason why you could be ghosted 
uh, by a brand is maybe you were rude or unprofessional or not responsive. So tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. So, you know, I really commiserate with creators who are coming up right now, especially because uh, a lot of you know, people, especially like who have blown up on TikTok overnight or something, uh, who may have never had real quote unquote real jobs, right? And not understand, you know, Honestly. email etiquette, you know, email etiquette or like what it is like to, uh, you know, have a, uh, you know, like operate in a professional setting or something like that, right? Um, and so um, when it comes to how you are interacting with your brand contact, whether it's directly at the brand or through an agency or something like that, um, I, I think it's important to understand that like working with a creator on a paid campaign can sometimes sometimes take months from start to finish. So do you think yeah. that brands want to work, like want to deal with creators who are difficult? <laughs> with creators who they have to like exactly, email yeah. multiple times to get answers, uh, you know, with creators who are just not nice, <laughs> right? Like no brand wants to do that, yeah. right? And they want to work with creators who are pleasant, right? And so I, I think that- um, yeah, yeah. And so the, the other really critical thing to understand is that this is like a business transaction, right? The brand is paying you to do something. Yep. So it's very important that you take this seriously because, uh, and this is something I talk about in, ex in a lot of detail in my course, is that it is so much easier to convince a brand that has you've already worked with to hire you again than it is to fire yourself from yes. your nine to five job every single time. So that's what most creators do is they work with a brand and then they literally never talk to them again. And I've never understood that. I'm like, really? Right. You're going to go out there and like try and hustle for your next deal after you just proved to this brand that you're amazing? No, like go back and talk to yeah. them about the next opportunity, about this next campaign for the next quarter or the next season. It's like, I don't know why. It's like every time I talk about it to creators, it's like, oh, that, yeah, that's obvious. But then no one does it. I just don't. It's, it's, <laughs> and so I'm, I am on this mission to like convince creators. It's like so much easier to just you know convince brands that they should hire you again um and so like right. when it comes to like just affording brands and agencies basic dignity you will instantly differentiate yourself honestly yeah i previously uh maybe two three years ago now i was working where i was the one managing influencer campaigns for a couple brands and honestly being on the other side was so eye-opening because i'm a very type a like i'm i'm very you know grammar in my email I literally could not believe the emails that I was getting from people that I literally was just like, did a three-year-old write this, first of all? Or they would just like answer like, yeah, and then like have nothing <laughs> else in the email. Or like I would have to track them down for weeks for an invoice. I mean, you would be so surprised by just how much it really does set you apart from just being a professional. And again, this is a business. You have to be a professional. <laughs> this is why I started Creator Wizard, Kristen, because honestly, like I, I have done 10,000 plus, maybe more emails just like that. And I, yep. I it just at a certain point, I was just like, this can't be how things are done. <laughs> like, I have to teach people. You can't just say yeah to in response to honestly. an email. Like, it's just not going to it's not going to fly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, a big part of my mission is, you know, like I want to make the industry more fair for everyone. I want to make influencers more respected. But we also, as influencers, have to do a part of that to be respected. Like, why am I going to respect someone who literally doesn't respect me? It's mm -hmm. again, it's it's common knowledge. It should be common sense. But if it's not, here you go. <laughs> so uh, with that being said, in terms of uh, response time, because again, I think that's definitely something very important when the brands and the agencies have deadlines to meet. We also need to help them meet those deadlines. 
What would you say is the typical response time for an email response? Yeah, I mean, you know, ideally less than 12 hours at least, um, at, yeah. at, at, a, at a maximum less than 24 hours response. Um, the, the important thing to remember about responsiveness, look, I understand it. Like, you don't want to be glued to your inbox. Like, no one wants to live like of that. Course. However, however, when a brand is reaching out to you, that is a hot active recruitment period. It's not like where they're just reaching out and like, oh, just like testing the waters. No, like right. they got a they got approval from their boss. You know, you were on this on the other side of this, right? They got approval from their boss or from the agents, from the brand. If it's an agency, they're like, okay, we're recruiting now. Like right. we've, we've approved this campaign. We've approved this tactic. Let's go for it. And so it's going to be like a, maybe a three to four to five day, maybe max one week period where they're actively going out, reaching out to influencers, trying to hire people for this campaign. So if it's taking you three to four days to respond and they're reaching out to 50 people and 20 out of the 50 people responded within three hours, right. who do you think they're going to give preference to? Exactly. Not you, not you, <laughs> believe me, right? Because what you're teleporting to them or what you're, what you're communicating to them is that every single time that they reach out to you, it's going to take three to four days to hear back. And if you're having to, re, you know, uh, communicate with an influencer 30, 40, 50 times throughout a campaign, which is common, yeah. right, about, you know, concepts and contracts and, you know, production green light and feedback and invoicing, right, getting tax paperwork, all this stuff, it takes, you know, there's back and forth. It's natural. Exactly. And so in their head, the brand's thinking like, wow, three to four days to hear back. And you you might think, oh, well, yeah, but if I got the deal, I'd be more timely. Yeah, but they don't know that, right? Exactly. You're, they, 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 you, all they have to go off is the first interaction. So there's so right. much that you're communicating in that very first response. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And I mean, going along with them juggling other tasks and things like that, they could also just be out of office. That's another reason that the brands could totally be ghosting you. I mean, they are also human. They have lives too outside of work. So they definitely could just be out of office. Is that something you should just kind of wait that same period to follow up with? Yeah, I mean that's the thing. It's like sometimes they'll be out of office, but there won't there won't be an out of office like auto reply, right? right. Like sometimes, oh yeah, I'm I'm out of office, but sometimes that only goes out to internal folks at their team. It's not something that's sent out to external people that email them. So again, you just may not know. And so you know, you following up is helpful for them because when they get back from vacation, right. they're going to dig through their email inbox and they're like, oh, great to great to meet you. I never even saw your initial email, right? So that, again, there's like an unlimited amount of reasons of like why they're not responding to you and just being sick or on vacation or at jury duty or something like that, right? You just ne <laughs> you just you just never know. Um, <clears throat> you you just never know, um, which is yeah. why it's so critical to to um, have this long term mindset. Yeah, 100%. That's a great point. So the brand could also just be doing some research. Obviously, if they're going to be investing a ton of money into you as a service provider, they want to check you out and make sure everything is good. So tell us about what kind of research that brands typically do here. Yeah, so um, this is very, very important to understand uh, when it comes to brands actually reaching out to you. So when when, when you get an email in your inbox from a brand, they have already done a bunch of legwork to to understand right. whether you would be a good fit for this campaign. So let's say it's the agency, okay? They went to the brand and the brand said, hey, we want to run an influencer marketing campaign for the summer, okay? Can you, number one, create a strategy for us? Like what platforms should we be activating on? What types of influencers should we be working with? And so the, the agency says, okay, no, no problem. They go in their little cave and they do their work, right? And then they come back to the brand. The brand says, okay, sounds good. Like this looks like a good tactic. Go find us 
some sample influencers that you think would be a good fit. So then the agency goes back and they <clears throat> develop a short list, maybe, you know, 20 creators that they think would be a good fit. And so they go and find your profile. They steal your profile image. They steal your bio to put in their deck. Again, before right. they ever reach out, before they ever reach out to you, they go to the brand and they say, hey, we think Kristen would be a great fit for this campaign. Here's her bio. Here's what she's all about. She's got this many followers. Her audience is kind of like this. And then the brand says, sounds good. Let's, let's go hire Kristen. Then the brand reaches out to you, right? And so that's why it's so critical to look at your platform as your portfolio, as your resume, as a creator, because there's so yeah. much tire kicking that is going on behind the scenes that you have no idea about. So when the brand is actually reaching out to you, again, you've already oftentimes been pre-vetted by the brand. And so it's it's not a matter of like if they're going to work with you. It's just like either when or how much it's going right. to cost, right? Is it feasible yeah. within their budget? And so I talk in a lot of detail in my course, Gifted to Paid, all about how to hone your creator identity. Um, because again, like having this perspective of like, wow, I really want to put my best uh, foot forward, my best first impression to this yeah. brand. But if you don't even know they're looking at it, like how do you actually optimize it for that, right? So there, there's a lot of different and unique ways that you need to kind of understand what your value proposition is, not just to brands, but also to prospective yes. followers too, right? Um, and so yes. so it's, it's just really important mm -hmm. to have this, have this perspective. Yeah, this is something it's so crazy. I feel like I have so many conversations with creators about branding and positioning because it's something that I think most creators don't take enough time to think about and nail down. And they just want to go into creating content, working with brands. But all of that prep work of really nailing down who you are, like what's your purpose here? What kind of content you're going to create? What are you bringing of value to your audience and to brands? Like, why would anyone want to follow you if they don't know that? So it's so important mm. to take the time to do that. But just so many people don't. And then they wonder why they maybe don't have success when they're pitching or maybe they're not growing. And, and why is that happening? And honestly, I feel like most of the time it has to do with no one knows what you're going to do for them. And at the end of the day, we're all here to know what other people are going to do for us on the internet. So like we want to learn something. We want to be entertained. You know, we want to get something out of it, brands and potential followers alike. Well, you know what? It, it's a it's a great a great example of this is um, I have this for those of you listening on the podcast and not on video. I have this little uh, black rectangular box over my shoulder here, and it is an LED ticker. Basically, I can put like custom messages on there and stuff. Um, and so I have created a mission for myself that I want to help creators big and small land a million sponsorships by 2032. I love that. And and this little box here is going to be my running uh, total, <laughs> like my my McDonald's hamburger counter, I call it, right? <laughs> Where it's just like how many creators I've served, right? Basically, right. right? And so it's just like, this is my mission. And this is my white space. I, I am now in not in competition with anyone who's educating creators right now. In fact, I want to make partnerships with as many creators to help this happen. Right. Right. So it's like it's not about people are not competitors to me now. Everyone is trying to serve this mission. I'm not serving myself. I'm serving other people. I'm serving creators right now. Right. And so that having having a uh, North Star in your business as a creator, because yes. guess what? Now, if 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 there are brands creator economy startups that want to sponsor me, they look at this mission and they're like, oh yeah, we want to serve that same exact type of creator who is like, you know, hungry, trying to turn this into a business, trying to, you know, monetize. Like they instantly right. know not just about 
me, but they know about my audience. What is the composition of my audience now? It's all creators who are trying to accomplish this mission that I've created, yes. right? And so it's just like, and you, again, you think about it from a follower perspective, like, wow, I want to follow Justin because I want to be part of that, right? I want to be part of this much larger mission that he's created. And so again, it comes exactly. back to like, who are you serving? What is your transform? I have this thing that I call your, what is your surprising transformative promise um, that you are going to be a uh, like offering to people who either brands that want to work with you or creators uh, or you know prospective followers. Right, right. It's so important. It's so important. And if you haven't taken the time yet, if you're listening, that's what you should pause right now and go do. <laughs> and honestly, yeah. I feel like it's something that in my experience, I think for me, it took a little bit of trial and error and it took a little bit of time to really figure out like exactly what it was that I wanted to accomplish. I don't think it's something that people figure out overnight, you know, mm -hmm. but Try things out and see what feels right for you and see what feels, you know, like something you want to be a part of. And then eventually you'll figure it out. And then creating content, building an audience, finding brands to pitch with, all of that becomes so easy because you know what you're setting out to do. You know, like that's the hardest part to figure out. Everything else is simple after that. I'll just be vulnerable here and say when I started out as creator, I was not calling myself a sponsorship coach, which is what I call myself now. I was uh, my tagline was the business of being a creator because I thought yep. that that was interesting. Oh yeah, I could talk about email list strategy and you right. know merchandise and creating products and courses and all this stuff. But then like one time I got a DM from one of my followers and she basically said like why are you talking about anything other than sponsorships? Like clearly this is your expertise. <laughs> like you should not be talking about anything right. else. And I was like. I was like, you know what? Okay. That's a great idea. And like, and then I pivot. And so I, I started calling myself a sponsorship coach. And when I did that, everything changed for me. Everything 100%. changed. So yeah. So it's just trial and it, error. Trial and error. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Don't get, don't get caught up and upset if you can't figure it out overnight. It'll take some time yeah. for sure. Mm -hmm. um, so the last couple of things here we'll touch on quickly. I think one that's really important is maybe they're trying to find the budget. That's, I feel like a lot of times for me where I get caught up is if I send my rate and then I hear crickets and then I'm like, oh no, is it too high? Oh my gosh, I scared them off. Um, it's, you know, like it's a scary feeling sending out a number for a lot of creators and you know you're worth it and you just have to put it out there and see what happens. But if you don't get a response, it's scary. So how does this whole process work? Yeah, so I think the, the best way I can describe it is it is a game of Tetris, okay? So a brand will have or an agency will have, let's say, a budget of $50,000, okay, to work with 10 influencers. Right. All of those 10 influencers, even if they all have the same following, same engagement rate, same viewership, whatever, um, everyone has different rates, right? And so it's the brand's or the agency's job to go and basically fit all the puzzle pieces together to, to figure out how they can stretch the budget right. or optimize the budget to work with all these different people. So when they when you send your rate and you don't hear back, it's not, hey, you suck or hey, you're too expensive. It's, hey, we're, we're still in negotiations with nine other creators and we yeah. haven't nailed down their pricing yet. So we can't tell you whether we can work with you or not yet because we don't know what's going to going to happen with those other nine creators. So, and all of these right. things are happening in parallel. So you may be on this little island here where you're being like, oh man, they're not responding to me. They don't want to work with me. No, it's like, there's so much other stuff going on behind the scenes that you don't even know about. And again, it may not even be about the influencers. Maybe they're still trying to finalize the paid media portion of the budget, you know, because a lot of right. brands will want to boost the content. Um, and so it's just like, oh, we don't know how much we're going to have there. Maybe we can steal a little bit of money from that budget, yada, yada. So 
like open your mind to the possibility that the reason that they're not responding to you is because your pitch was so awesome that now they're having to go out and trying to figure out how they can actually find more money to work with you because they really want to like get this done. Right. And right. so they, they go and they'll be like, oh, like, let's actually not work with that other that other creator. Let's work with Kristen because her pitch was so awesome. Right. So um, right. like that happens all the time. I've run an influencer agency for many years. I guarantee you this happens. Right. And so, right. Uh, again, it, it does come back to your pitch can't suck. Your pitch can't be boring. <laughs> Obviously, you have to have a good pitch and compelling pitch. But it's just like this happens all the time where it's like the brands are just trying to Tetris this stuff together. Um, and so you just need to be patient. Yeah, 100 percent, 100 percent. It could totally mean you don't suck. It could actually mean the opposite. <laughs> um, and kind of the last thing here is maybe not that you suck, but maybe the brand is just not interested for some reason, for whatever reason. Again, there could be a million different reasons. So when that happens and maybe eventually you hear back and the brand is like, hey, you know, again, we can't make it work. We're not interested. Should creators be asking why they're not interested? Yeah, you know, you can try this. Uh, I think it's tough because getting an honest answer, th there's there's very little upside for the brand to be honest with you <laughs> about Honestly, why they don't yeah. want to mo move forward with you. Because, you know, for example, like we just talked about, a lot of creators are unprofessional. They will then take that feedback and then go flame them on social media. Oh, this brand told me they don't <laughs> want to work with me because I don't have 10,000 followers or because I yada, yada, yada. Like, like there's no, it's the same as like a traditional employer. Like right. if someone calls for a, a reference check, they're not going to say that, like why that person left the company. They're just going to say this person worked from this state to this state, right? Like, yes, they were right. employed here, right? It's the same idea. There's no upside for your original employer to share any other details besides that, right? So yes, I mean, you can ask, but like it's, it's you know, in some Brands are kind of tacky and volunteer, like, oh, you you have to have 50,000. So we only work with creators with 50,000 followers or whatever. So that is an icky feeling. And yeah, there's there's some yeah. brands that do that. But um, most of the time, they're not going to tell you. And I honestly am more of a just a, a fan of just doing your own introspection and analysis yeah. and being like, okay, maybe, yeah, maybe this pitch wasn't super compelling. I could have, you know, done it slightly differently. Um, and then you just kind of move on to other brands that are going to value what you're bringing to the yeah. table. Look, 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 the cold truth is that no matter how hard you try, no matter how many times you pitch a brand, some of them will just not see the value in working with you. And that is not yeah. your fault, right? So rather than getting hung up on this one particular brand that you've always wanted to work with and just feeling rejected, feeling down, understand that this is just the way it goes sometimes, right? And I, I even, even my wife and I, we get rejected by brands all the time, right? But we shake it off. And oh, yeah. the reason that we shake it off is because there is billions and billions of dollars to, uh, <laughs> that are going to be poured into this, into the influencer marketing space over the next couple of years. <laughs> and right. like, so you just need to have that perspective, just dust off your shoulders and just move on to the next brand. Yeah, I just recently was talking about this. Rejection is part of this job. Like if you mm -hmm. can't get comfortable with rejection, you're going to have a very hard time. I think it becomes easier the more you get rejected. But all of the big creators that you look at and you're like, wow, I want to do what they're doing. I guarantee they're also getting rejected probably eight to nine out of 10 times. Like that's yep. literally how it happens. It, mm -hmm. If you send out 10 pitches and you get three responses, I call that a pretty good week of pitching, honestly. <laughs> I mean, I mean, well, professional baseball players, they uh, are making millions of dollars and they get on base 30% of the time. So like that is <laughs> that is a staggering statistic. So just think about yourself as a professional creator and having that type of uh, uh, pitch win percentages is, is, right. is very, very good. Yep.
Absolutely. So at the end of every episode, I open the floor to my guests to ask me a question. So I would love to hear what your question is. All right. I got a fun one. Okay, let's hear it. So for, first of all, uh, first first part of the question, what what is the most uh, expensive product or service that you sell right now? Um, our coaching program is right now, Own Your Influence. And, and are you comfortable sharing what that is? Yeah. Yep. So it's only three ninety seven right now. I actually just got rid of my higher ticket um, offerings because I wanted to just focus on one that was more accessible for everyone. Okay. Awesome. Okay. So uh, my thought experiment, and I love talking to, to creators about this, is what would you change and what would you offer if you 100x that? Ooh! Oh my gosh, that's so if, a hard question. So if you charged, so you said it was three ninety seven. So let's say you charged yeah. uh, thirty nine thousand dollars. Like what? What would? What would that offer look like for you? I feel like if that were the case, I definitely would say that like there needs to be some actual like work being done on my part aside from just educating. You know, like I feel like I would need to have you know like. A virtual assistant that could go work for that person and help them out with things or even just like, you know, hiring a brand photographer and having brand photography being part of what they're doing. I feel like it would just have to be a lot more tangible things that they could actually check off their list of maybe things that they need in their business. Again, like a VA or photography or or building a website or doing branding, all of those things that maybe you have kind of on your big checklist as a creator. I would say I would like to include all of that. That's a really hard question, though. Jeez. I, I love that question because um, I think of it as this analogy. It's like I call it the rubber band test where it's like you stretch a rubber band really far and think, OK, like if I 10x or 100x my price on yeah. this thing or whatever, like what would what could I do? And the, the cool part is that when the rubber band comes back, it almost never comes back to the original form. It always comes back a little bit a little bit more stretched out than you initially thought. And so you're thinking yeah. like maybe – and the, the analogy for creators, I think, is that um, like when you're listening, thinking about your pricing strategy or what you're, what could you offer brands, if you're stretching your, their ima- imagination and you're giving them you know different packages and you're saying, hey, this is going to be 2000 this is going to be 5000 this one's going to be 20000 right. And the brand is just like, whoa, like 20000 Like I didn't even ask for that. Like I said the budget was 3000 right? And then but – the pro- <laughs> but that's not the point. The point is them for them to realize like, oh, like – Actually, let me gravitate towards this middle tier because, like, yeah, we can't afford that yes. one. But, you know, this this middle tier is starting to look a little bit more interesting now. Or maybe we can, like, harvest some of the things that she mentioned in that top tier and, like, you know, reorganize the, the package or something. So I love this question because uh, I think it's it's applicable to to a lot of different industries, but especially to creators to think a little bit broader about what you're bringing to the table for brands. 100%. Yeah, 100%. That's a that was a good question. It's a really cool way of thinking about it for sure. It reminds me I remember I used to work at a salon right out of college and my boss used to always tell me to put three products on the counter and tell people about all three. And most of the time, they're not going to buy all three, but they would almost always buy at least one of them. So sometimes when people are presented with options, you know, like even if something felt like a high ticket option for them before when you're looking at maybe other products or other services, you know, other offers, the other ones may look or the lower ticket one may be looking a little bit more appealing at that point. So it's interesting Mm -hmm. with options, presenting options to brands, especially. I love doing that. It usually works out pretty well. Absolutely. So this was awesome. I definitely know that everyone listening right now has probably like 
hand aching from taking so many notes. Um, so where can everyone find you on the internet if they want to get more from you? <laughs> Yeah, I'm at Creator Wizard pretty much everywhere, Instagram, my YouTube channel, TikTok, and so on. Uh, but probably the the coolest way to stay connected is I have, have a totally free uh, newsletter uh, where I, newsletter. I share uh, – thank you. I, I share uh, paid sponsorship opportunities. So if you're looking to you know start working with brands or or increase your deal flow, working with brands and things like that, again, I'm, I, have, I have so much deal flow for both my wife and I personally, but also through the agency. I've just – I've been uh, – you know – around around uh, this industry for so long, over a decade. And so I just see a lot of deals. And so I love being able to share those opportunities yes. with other creators. So you can just go to creatorwizard.com slash join. Uh, and uh, I'd love to uh, stay connected. I also kind of like promo my uh, my new videos and posts yeah. and all that stuff too. So I uh, would love to, uh, to meet uh, any new creators who are looking to take their business to the next level this year. Yeah. And I will say from personal experience, I'm in the newsletter and every single time I get one, it's actually good information. I don't just like look at it and quickly delete it <laughs> like I do with a lot I am, of newsletters. Dang, I, I, that is an honor. <laughs> I appreciate that one. <laughs> yeah. And I will say you've actually through the newsletter introduced me to some platforms that I've never heard of. Like Sway was one I've never used before. There's a few different mm -hmm. ones on there. So I would definitely get on it if I were anyone listening right now. <laughs> I appreciate that so much. And thanks again of for the course. opportunity to be here. It was a blast. Of course. Yes, this was amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And we hope that you loved every minute. If you learned something new, drop us a review and let us know what you learned. If you hear something in this episode that you want to chat about more, definitely send me a message on Instagram at yoursocialmate or kbusk. See you next week.